Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. The money lover isn't satisfied with money, neither is the lover of wealth satisfied with income. This, too, is pointless. This is what the Spirit would have us know. Thanks be to God. Ecclesiastes is the part of the Bible known in the Jewish tradition as Ketuvium, or the writings. We don't know who the writer is, but life seems to have dealt them with a hard blow. So the wisdom they come up with isn't necessarily the stuff of social media or pretty graphics. It's raw and it's real, written after a bad day in the midst of despair. Now, can you imagine a verse from Ecclesiastes written in pretty calligraphy on your wall at home or a coffee shop? What do people gain from all the hard work that they work so hard for under the sun? Ecclesiastes 1.3. All the hard work of humans is for the mouth, but the appetite is never full. Ecclesiastes 6.7. I have seen everything in my pointless lifetime, The righteous may die in spite of their righteousness. Then again, the wicked may live long in spite of their wickedness. Don't be too righteous or too wise, or you may be dumbfounded. Ecclesiastes 7, 15-16 The author of Ecclesiastes tells it like it is. And for that, I love them. And I hate them. They are like that SNL skit, Debbie Downer, which has zero, zero connection to Pastor Debbie. Let's take a look. Then the author of Ecclesiastes goes on to describe money as meaningless. 30 times in the Common English Bible translation of the author uses the, to- the word pointless. Why work so hard for money and then not be able to enjoy it? Why seek wisdom when learning more about the world may make you sadder? Well, we're beginning a new sermon uh, series, Keep the Change, a sermon series on stewardship. And it's weird, really, right, that we talk about the meaningless of money on Stewardship Month. And it's also weird that we would talk about keeping the change when stewardship reflects God's generosity and abundant grace. And yet, Ecclesiastes, even with that Debbie Downer energy, does have something to say about our faith, and does have something to say about generosity. Whether we'd like to admit it or not, Ecclesiastes reminds us that we are not in control. No matter where we are in each season of life, whether we are young or old, 
have a little or have a lot, God has a way of doing what God always does in our hearts. God's grace overflows into each one of us and is present with us without exception. And while Ecclesiastes can lead to despair, Ecclesiastes can also help us orient our values. Ecclesiastes also has that set, that set of verses, there's a season for everything under the heaven that was made popular by the band The Birds in the 1960s. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, and so on and so on. At my friend Gail's Celebration of Life service earlier this year, her husband Joel said of her, she holds on to life loosely. It is a gift, not to be owned or controlled. She, my friend Gail, she lived her life as if she believed in the grace of God, as if she knew she didn't know what would happen next, as if even in the hard times, she trusted that God was beside her. She lived as if she believed in the promise of eternal life, as if grace is real and as if grace was abundant. And what would we, what if we saw our lives as gifts given to us by God? What if we saw moments of beauty, of connection, of friendship as gifts that reflected God's grace? What if we saw our church right here, right here as a gift of grace to our community, to the world, and maybe possibly to us? For me, the existence and the spread of the church is nothing short of miraculous. And it reflects the expounding, overfilling, overwhelming, perhaps insane grace of God. It started out when a few people who had encountered Jesus and even after his death came to minister him to him, coming with their burial spices. And when they realized he was alive, that he had been resurrected from the dead, Mary, the first preacher, told the male disciples. And the male disciples had to think a little bit about it before Jesus showed proof of his resurrection in the breaking of bread and in the scars of his hands. And then women and men and people began telling everyone around them how this one Jesus changed their lives showed them love, and helped them hold on to life loosely, trusting in the grace of God. And the message spread throughout the world, from Lydia the seamstress in the book of Acts, to the martyrs Felicity and Perpetua, who were executed for the ragamuffin Christian faith less than 150 years after Paul's missionary journey. And then it spread from Augustine of Hippo in Africa, all the way to Martin Luther in Germany, whose anger regarding the exploitation of indulgences helped spark in the movement we call now the Reformation. 
And the church continued to spread, didn't it? From Susanna Wesley of England, who held meetings in her home, to Frances Asbury of the United States. Frances Asbury was the one who established a circuit that included St. Charles area. And the church eventually spread to here, First St. Charles United Methodist Church, 202 years ago. And today, and today, First St. Charles relies on the great cloud of witnesses worldwide to continue sharing the radical love of Jesus Christ to a world who has been so jaded. Jaded by political structures that maintain the status quo at the expense of the vulnerable. Jaded by a society who cares more about outward appearance and social media rather than acknowledging the Imago Dei in all people. Jaded by a world where, which we feel like we have lost all control, as if there is no God. You, church, continue to share God's values and not the world's values. You share that God notices. And I can tell you stories about how you share God's grace through the testimony of our first friends videos, that your friendliness is not superficial, but it comes from your love of God and your desire to share God's love, especially to those who have been turned away from other churches or who feel like they don't belong. You church, you are a place of worship and healing for those who have been rejected by other churches because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. You, church, you show God's unlimited grace in a world that so often doesn't. And I see you continue to share God's abundant grace and your amazing generosity for all the ways you care about our community. You provide moments of worship for those who cannot leave their homes or come physically to church. You enable our pastors to pray for and cheer people in their most vulnerable moments. You pray for and provide for our local elementary schools and make sure hungry kids have enough to eat in the weekends and on the summer. And you see our building as not just a building, but a community hub and have opened it up to three AA groups and have given them a safe place to support one another out of their addiction. You welcome hurting people into grief share so that they can build community and support one another as they share the memories of those whom they have loved and lost. And more groups. And if I mentioned all the groups that meet in this church, well, you'd be just listening and would miss your favorite football game. I've heard testimonies from parents about first kids, uh, from first kids about how their child is more than equipped when entering kindergarten. I see community agencies coming during our showers of blessing time because they know they can help our unhoused friends get the services they need and know that this ministry is a safe place for those who need a meal, a shower, and a smile. I see our adult leaders pour into children and youth building friendships that reflect how God is our friend. 
I see you faithfully gather every week to pray over the world and pray for the prayer requests of the members of our community. I see our church musicians and choir faithfully proclaim the songs we know and have yet to believe, teaching about Jesus to all generations. I see you greet people before and after worship and even missing worship service so you can make sure everyone is safe. Church, you give of your time, of your talents, of your money, as a response to that gift that is salvation. And when we commit to our membership vows, to give of our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, it may seem meaningless, foolish really. After all, most of us will never see those hand-washing stations in Mozambique or a young person who grew up in the church and is now in a new job in another city, but doing faithful ministry within that, their home church. We won't always know who's worshiping with us online or how many people came in and out of our doors for AA. We might not ever see a return on our investment. And yet, and yet some people have given away a significant portion of their income throughout their lives. And even after they die, to a future they cannot see, to a people they will never know. As the message paraphrase of Hebrews 11, 39 through 40 says, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God, God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith, not complete apart from ours. And maybe that's what faith is, a response to God's grace in the face of the unknown. And maybe that is what the writer of Ecclesiastes is getting at. Not that everything is meaningless, but when put into perspective, we hold on to money like we hold on to life, loosely acknowledging it as a reflection of God's abundant grace. 